Hi, this is Danny Bolt, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Morgan Calton and tonight we will be looking back over the recent international break, having a chat about our low knees out in the field and previewing Saturday's game against Newcastle. I am joined by podcast regular Sergeant Stato, so let's get on with it. So while we've been twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the exciting football to start up again, uh, a few of our lads have been away doing their national service, and uh, we can't not start the show by congratulating our super Serbian for bagging his 50th international goal after scoring his 48th and 49th in their previous game. And then in the 54th minute against Norway, who obviously had some big lanky blonde bloke up front, uh, took him a few minutes into the second half to bag in his 50th. Just to sort of put that in context, it's only taken him 76 games, whereas it took Lionel Messi 107, Cristiano 114 to reach the number. So let's kick off saying wonderful things about Mitro. Sarge, give me your thoughts on this. I don't know what's left to be said, really. He's, um, he, he, he can't be considered anything other than, than a top-class striker at this point. I mean, he must be considered in and amongst the top five centre-forwards in the world. Like, as pure out-and-out strikers go, I, I can't think of many that you could put ahead of him at this point. He, his record at international level is insane. His record at club level is insane as well. If he'd been playing for a better team than us, as much as we love Fulham, if he'd played for a better team than us, he would, he would definitely be held in that sort of world-class category. You put him in the Man City team, he scores just as many as Haaland, as far as I'm concerned. He's a different type of striker, though, than Haaland, isn't he? He's Haaland, he has five touches in a game and scores three goals. He's got, he's got pace as well. Mitro isn't that. He's old school. You know, he will hold the ball up. He will bring other players into the game. He will get himself into the box and he will be clinical with his finishing. But he will have quite a lot of touches within the game. Uh, he... He's just he's doing something now that he hasn't done in you know in his previous let's call them poor seasons for want of a better term but I think he needs that right manager with him and clearly he knows his Serbian coach well he knows his teammates they literally all speak the same language and with Fulham now he's just so confident and we all know that he's a confident striker it just he's he's just in that flow at the moment and if he were at another team, would they have had him in the sort of, you know, held him on the same pedestal that we hold him on? Would he have bagged 43 goals in a season, for example? I mean, you don't... Obviously, people would say, oh, can he do it in the Premier League? Well, he came into this, uh, you know, having scored so many goals and we weren't, you know, going to let him, uh, you know, be on the bench for anything like that. He got on well with Silva. Of course, he was going to score goals this time around. Uh, Stato, I mean, what's your thoughts on where he's at right this moment. Oh, he's just at another level completely. 
Um, I'm actually on a Wikipedia article right now. Um, it's called The List of Men's Footballers with 50 or More International Goals. And at the top, it's Ronaldo because he scored 117 goals, uh, more than a, also. It's a really obscure list full of random international players because you've got all these random like countries like Iran, Malaysia, where players have scored 50 goals. But now, Ali Day. Ali Day, exactly, for Iran. Um, and there's, you know, there's some familiar players Legend. on there. Lewandowski, Lukaku, uh, Edin Dzeko's on there. But now, Mitro is now on that list and he joins this rather unique list of players. He's at the bottom there on 50 goals alongside uh, the likes of Robin Van Persie, Tim Cahill, Alexis Sanchez and also Harry Kane. Um, but I think it just is a testament to show just how 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 informed he is at the moment that he, he scores these goals and he's actually you know on a list of these top strikers you know to score for his country and you know it's it's incredible that you see a player that you can just take his club form into his country form and it, it, it they just go hand in hand like he, he scores goals for his countries he score he scores goals for his club it, it, it's just in, incredible form and you know let's just hope he continues this coming into October for you know all the games we have coming up but it's not like he's playing uh, he's not the only only striker that Serbia have I mean they've got Luka Jovic they've got someone else whose name fails me I mean Sarge Stada you might know Vla- Vlahovic the uh, Juventus guy who? Vlahovic the, Ju- the oh, Juventus oh yeah no worries guy. didn't get him um, but He's just—he just needs to be in teams at the moment. And I think uh, Tristan was saying that um, the way they used to use him was by bringing him on because he was such a, a beast of a player that they just, you know, threw him on when the defenders were tired, and he would just do the damage then. But now they're starting him because he does damage regardless. So you know, he certainly earned his pizza at the end of that game. Obviously, the only concern that we saw. From it was him limping off in their first game of the break, um, being you know iced up, and then uh, when he obviously when he was starting against Norway, obviously you know you think fine, he's 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 fit, he's raring to go, but I mean he's in such a he's in, he's in beast mode at the moment, isn't he? He could probably play on a broken leg, and it wouldn't really really worry him. So the hope is that he doesn't get back. And he's still aching because we need a fully fit Mitro. You know, do do we have any uh, understanding of whether he is completely fine or not? I think he's he's probably just looking after it. Any knocks and niggles that he's got, he's incredibly robust, isn't he? he? Doesn't he? Doesn't miss a lot of games. Like if you think about Championship season, you play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Last season, how many? He only missed a handful of games last season. The season he only missed two games, I think, last season, didn't he? And that was yeah, if that, uh, yeah, yeah, suspension maybe. He he was part of the um, tummy bug brigade against Derby, wasn't he? There was um, oh there was yeah. that game against Derby where everyone got ill. Yeah. The shit squad, yeah, that one. There you go. And um, and he may have missed another one through suspension. And then I, I don't really remember him missing games in the season mm. in the championship under Parker, the first Premier League season that we played. Uh, with him in the squad when he scored 11 he played all 38 games so he is he is incredibly robust he doesn't well you remember he did against he did when in the championship season with Parker because he was had an ankle injury inverted commas and that's why he wasn't sort of playing through the playoffs things like that I mean when he came on in the playoff final it was clear he shouldn't have been playing at all but that just kind of shows the type of player that Mitrovic is that 
you know, he's not lightweight. Even if he is carrying a nog, he just kind of gets on with it and he plays through it. And, you know, not to stereotype him as a hard Serbian bastard, but that's what they're he all, is. They're, look, there are no soft Serbians. We know that. They're all hard as fucking nails. Well, <laughs> well Lazar Markovic would beg to differ. Yeah, but I think he was adopted. Uh, we can talk about Mitro all night, really, but let's not, because... I think almost everything's been said about him until he scores his uh, hat-trick on Saturday. Then we can talk about him more. But in other games, uh, Jao Paulinha only played 40 minutes at two games, which, I mean, to be fair, Portugal deserves to lose against Spain if not putting him in the team. I mean, he's been an absolute... Uh, he's just, again, another beast in our side. But then, you know, guys, do we agree that, you know, the fewer minutes that he plays... In international games, the better. I mean, Sarge, what do you think? It's a funny one because he's going to miss the Newcastle game, isn't he? Through suspension, so yeah. probably could have done with some minutes over these two games just to keep him, you know, just keep firing, ticking over, keep him sharp. Um, yeah, I mean, any time you have an international break, you're kind of just hoping that your players come back unscathed. Looks like we've managed to get through this break. I think Cabano's picked up an injury was the only one that I saw, um, but. After the business we did at the end of the window, we, we, we're pretty well stocked for wide, wide players now. Harry Wilson seems to be back on the grass. I don't know how close he is to, to actually getting into full training, but he, he's not far away from being available again. So in wide areas, it, it's funny. We've gone from not having any wingers to the point where Cabano's picked up a knot. Well, we, we should be okay if he's not available. Um, yeah, it, that's what international football is all about. The rest of them that have gone away seem to have come back without any issues. Would have been good to see Palinha play. I don't know how William Carvalho is playing ahead of him in that Portuguese side because he's got the turning circle of a bus. Bit of nepotism, maybe. There's there's a lot going on with that Portugal team. Like people don't want. I don't. I think the majority of Portugal don't want to see Ronaldo start anymore. But the manager just insists on playing him, and it's it's a bit like us with England. Like Southgate has his favourites. I think the Portugal manager has his favourites as well. But hey, it just means Palinha doesn't get injured for us. So, well, that's it, isn't it? And we don't want him getting injured, but at the same time, as you know, said, Sarge, we wanted to keep him fresh, given that he won't be playing the next game. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, I think managers managers will generally pick players that they they feel they could trust to do a job, won't they? And if you know, I don't know how much Pelinha's played for Portugal, how much the manager has really been able to use him. And like Stato said, with England, Gareth Southgate has players that he feels he can trust. Marco Silva has players that he feels he can trust. Incidentally, one of those seems to be Chalaba because he brought Nathaniel Chalaba to Fulham, having worked with him a bit at Watford. He obviously trusted him and Chalaba's probably the most likely player to step in for Palinha against Newcastle. And there will be some fans that probably think Chalaba's not up to it. But the manager the manager has obviously decided that he's one of his guys because he's brought him with him to a second club. And when he was culling people in the summer, Chalaba's name was nowhere near that. So... Again, managers will pick players they think they can believe in, they can trust in to do the job they want them to do. And I guess that's what's happened to Portugal a bit as well. Fair enough. But yeah, you're right. Managers like want uh, players they can trust. Players want managers they can trust. So I think, you know, much as we say uh, football is all about athleticism and, and sort of tactics and stuff, it's all about mental as well. And I think that's been proved, especially over the last few years, how important that aspect is to it. So, whereas, you know, we'll talk about Charlotte later, obviously, but having someone 
to in the squad that you know well. Although, to be fair, I think he knows the rest of the Fulham players pretty well now. He obviously offers something there or thereabouts that is needed within the camp. Um, in terms of other players over the last week, uh, Marit Rodak, he won his 11th cap for Slovakia in a 1-1 draw with Putin's mates Belarus. Shane Duffy and Babu, they both uh, just made up the numbers for their nations on this break, uh, sitting on the bench. Uh, Bobby Reed has just played a full match against Argentina uh, in New York, obviously, because where else is Jamaica going to play the home games? But that only kicked off at 1am this morning, our time, so Wednesday morning, UK time. So he wouldn't have got back until probably around now. Um, get on the training ground tomorrow, Friday. He, he, he will be on the bench. I don't think he'll start having got back so late. I mean, there's plenty of instances last year with international call-ups with uh, Bobby Reed, Michael Hector, Robinson for America and Jamaica, where they did kind of come in straight into the starting eleven after literally flying back the night before. So, and that was that was on a tight Saturday Tuesday Championship schedule. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bobby start again on Saturday. To be honest, well, I mean, this time though, we do have more options, so it's not like we need him back in. I think last. You know, last season, if we did rush him back in after, you know, he got you know, five hours sleep the night before or something like that, it was, you know, out of necessity, perhaps. But going back to the trust of managers, Bobby Reed is very much a, a manager's player. Like, managers trust him because he gets up and down. He does the dirty work as well as knitting things together in the final third as well. And I also think for a manager, someone like Marco Silva, who really does like, we've seen it, he likes to keep as familiar a team as possible over the course of the season. He doesn't make a lot of changes to his starting lineups. Um, I, I don't think he'd be looking to, especially if Cabano is out, I don't think he'd be looking for the wide areas to be filled by two pretty new players in Dan James and William. I think he'd probably want one of Bobby Reed and Cabano and then one of the two newer players just because it just keeps everything knitted together. If you've already got Palina out, you, you do want to make sure that the rest of the team know their roles and know exactly what they're doing. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bobby Reed in the starting lineup on Saturday, regardless of his sort of, you know, his air miles that he's picked up. I mean, it's a convincing argument. Yeah, it, it, it made me more comfortable as well. I I like, there's something about seeing Bobby Reed in the starting eleven at the moment. It just gives him a bit of comfort because, like Sarge said, he does track back a lot and he just he just keeps himself busy. And you know, the way that we're playing at the moment, everyone needs to be you know 110 percent running around putting the, putting you know the minutes in and. Bobby does that more than anyone on the pitch. Well, I mean, one of our last players in the international rate, Dan James, who we just mentioned, he's another of those players, isn't he, who can get up and down particularly quickly. And I think he is, um, you know, someone who is going to play an important role uh, this season on the wing, which is obviously his favourite position. Uh, He's just played two full matches for the Welsh team. Um, which, given the fact that he hasn't played a huge amount this season, is probably quite a good thing, uh, getting that match sharpness up. So hopefully those two games uh, will have, uh, you know, put him in the frame to uh, start against Newcastle, as you say, depending on which uh, which route Silver wants to take in terms of who is new or trusted, you know, player may be. There were, in the Welsh team as well, there was also a first call-up for Luke Harris, and he, he made the bench in the first game. He wasn't in the squad the second game. But I wanted to sort of get onto him last because obviously he's just signed this new three-year contract, which is, which is a great thing, a great thing. 
Lads, have we learned from our previous mistakes? Uh, do we think this is something that the club have looked at and go, we need to tie him down to a three-year deal now? Or do you think it's just because so far, Luke Harris hasn't got himself a dodgy money-grabbing agent who's twisted his ear into thinking that he can just leave next summer? I mean, Stato, what's, I mean, obviously it's a great, it's great that he signed this pro contract, but what do you think surrounds it, as it were? I think there's a combination of many things going on. Um, the reorganisation of our academy behind the scenes um, is probably a key factor in that. I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but I know that some of our coaches and some of the technical staff have been promoted to more senior roles. Um, obviously, Silva's been here for a year and a bit now, and it's clear that he's looking to integrate the youth academy into the first team a lot more and for them to work a lot more closely than what was happening before. Um, basically, it's looking like we're actually trying to function as a normal football club and use the youth academy in a normal way and give and you know to give them these professional contracts so that we don't lose them for pennies or you know it's not not just that we can you know sell them on for a high value but to also show them that that there is a route into the first team that that the opportunity is there whereas previously sure Cavallio and Sessegnon and Harvey Elliott did kind of break through eventually but maybe it wasn't as you know the route wasn't as transparent as it could have been before and uh, I, you know you'll begin to see quite you know it's not just Luke Harris at the moment there's um I can't remember the names at the moment. It's all, it's all gone. But um, uh, that Pajaziti has been on the bench a few times. Um, you know, during the League Cup, Marshall Goddo, they, they played. Terrier Blade, they, they all played. And, you know, they're getting these opportunities that I don't think were previously available. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, it, it just goes to show that our academy is moving in the right direction, I think. But Sarge, do you, I mean, coming to you on this, do you think having a personality like Marco Silva has more sway than someone like Scott Parker has? Whether that's personality in, you know, sort of day to day or the fact that the football that we play looks much more exciting? I think it definitely plays a part. I think Marco Silva is almost the antithesis of Scott Parker in the sense that Scott Parker was a very pragmatic and cautious manager and pragmatic and cautious managers don't play young, inexperienced players. Um, Marco Silva has shown that he's looking to give youngsters a shot. Jay Sansfield signed a new contract in the summer as well. So the club is obviously trying to tie these down. I would say on the Luke Harris thing that he's obviously signed a three-year deal because um, that's the longest deal he can sign at his age. And Fabio Carvalho signed a similar deal at the same age and still got to the end of that deal and, and walked out the Did door. He? Yeah, his contract came out. I didn't, I, think he signed a, I didn't think he signed a pro contract. The only he signed is. No, he was on a pro deal when he left the club. He was able to leave yeah, right. under tribunal because he's still under the age of 21, but he was signed to a contract. It just wasn't a contract that was <laughs> enough to keep him keep him at the club for It was a longer. shit contract, I think is what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, essentially. I don't think they necessarily okay. showed him the value that maybe he thought he was worth. And I also think, you know, for Fabio Carvalho at that point in his career, I I still think as a individually, personally for him, it was the right thing to do. Like, 
it's not the best thing for us, but I, I think he's already shown that he's in the right place. But Luke Harris could could effectively, the point I'm making is Luke Harris could effectively be exactly the same as Fabio Carvalho in three years' time, he may leave. Um, what the club has to do now, in the meantime, is make sure that this club looks like a place that Luke Harris can develop and become the player that he wants to become. That's the secret, I think. If he's given opportunities to play, then that's more likely to happen. They can offer him a new improved deal, obviously before the three years is up, which we weren't able to do with Carvalho. Um, so that how the club manages this situation now in the next three years will give us more of an idea of whether or not they've learned their lessons or not. It's, I don't think this the signing of this contract necessarily tells us that the lessons have been learned. It's how they now manage these next three years. Um, hopefully they have. I, I would like to think that, you know, with the manager that we've got, with the way that Marco Silva runs the team, these young players will get opportunities. And if they're good enough, they'll get in. I think we've seen as well the fact that he's playing up an age group, the fact that he's been in and around the first team squad. There's no there's no talk of him going on loan. Um, that, that to me suggests that there are real big plans for him. Sonny Hilton is a player that, that looked like he was going to be on the verge of the first team squad and he's now on loan lower down the leagues, which for me speaks volumes a bit about whether or not they think he's quite ready um, Luke Harris, they obviously think is ready. So we're going to talk about it in a second. But one of the things that um, you know I have seen, uh, you know, has been out there quite uh, you know publicly is that Chelsea were rumored to be sniffing around for about thirty million around Harris. Now that could be any form of tabloid nonsense, but someone comes in with a thirty million bid for a player who hasn't even really you know broken into the first for well hasn't broken into the first eleven. You, it's probably something you look at, really, isn't it? I mean, regardless of the um, you know potential loss of that player, but still, thirty million for a player just because he signed a professional contract doesn't sound like a bad bad I mean, idea. Look at look at Patrick Roberts. I think was it twelve million at the time? I think in, in, around about that figure for Man City at the time, people were like, "What are we doing selling this promising player?" But hindsight, that's a bloody good deal from our end, twelve million, and likewise. 30 million for Luke Harris, sure, he might turn into a global big superstar, but if you look on the face of it, a 30 million for a 17 year old who's barely played any first team football, it's hard to say no to that. I, I'm, I mean, it could well be absolute bullshit. It was in the papers, it was on Twitter. They're not great sources of uh, uh, accurate information. Every, everything so. on Twitter is true. Uh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, I think uh, talking about sort of players who've gone on loan, um, and this is something I wanted to touch on because obviously it's been an international break and there's bugger all else to talk about. Um, but looking at some of our players who are out, you've got the sort of ones like Rodrigo Munez. He's gone to Borough. That's a great loan move for him. That is a place where he can get decent minutes for a decent club. That's uh, yeah. Don't let's say too much nice things about them, but. Um, but then you look at the other players who are out on loan. Maybe, I mean, Jay Stansfield, I mean, he's gone to Exeter. There's a lot of uh, romance about that move. I think he could have probably got himself a championship side, but Exeter's probably the best place where he's going to go and blossom as a player. It'll probably help his, you know, his, uh, you know, his mental strength as well, being down there as well, uh, given the sort of history he's got with the club. But then you're looking at some other players. Uh, Steven Session, he's gone to Charlton. He's probably just seeing out the last year of his contract, you've got to imagine. I don't think he's really developed much. 
Sonny Hilton, you just touched on him a minute ago. He's gone to Carlisle. He's barely played. So something's there. I don't know if any, you know, either of you have any, you know, too much knowledge about him. Sarge, you might. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of knowledge about Sonny Hilton individually, but I, I just, I think the, the policy of players going out on loan, I'm not, I'm not a massive advocate of sending players out on loan down the leagues, to be honest. I know there's a few people that think we should get these youngsters out and get them playing first team football. I'm not, I'm not massively behind it just because what, what football are they going to play? Um, and the players that are really genuinely first team good enough, they don't go out on loan. Carvalho didn't go out on loan. Ryan Sessegnon didn't go out on loan. Um, even Matt O'Reilly, I know he ended up leaving the club. He didn't go out on loan when he was knocking on the door of the first team. We kept him around. You want these players to develop, but you want them to develop in the way that you're going to use them. And the way that you're going to use them isn't necessarily replicated by them going down to League One and getting the shit kicked out of them. So I often think that the players that are really that we really should be keeping an eye on are not the ones that go on loan, the ones that stay in. Rodrigo Muniz is a slightly different example because he is he is a, a senior player that needs to go and play football and make sure that he continues his development as a senior player. And the championship is the best place for him to do that because we've got a striker at the club who he's not going to oust. But if we're going to get value from Rodrigo Muniz, he needs to go and play. There's no point in him sitting on our bench for two, three years. And then eventually, when we need him, he's not ready because he hasn't played football. So that one's slightly different. It makes sense. But the youngsters, I, I don't think the youngsters really, the good ones don't need to be going out on loan. What the good, good ones need is to be in and around the first team squad, training with the pros, and then getting their minutes as and when the manager sees fit. Phil Foden's the prime example at Man City. Never had a loan move. Just basically worked with the City players, got better by playing with those top class players. And then when the time came for him to be in the team, he slotted in seamlessly because he'd been around it for so long. And I kind of think that's the, that's the approach we should be taking. If Sonny Hilton's gone to Carlisle and can't get minutes, then it probably means he's not going to play for Fulham. I do, I do agree with that to an extent, but I think it all entirely depends on the individual and what's best for them. So Felden is a good example there. But then on the flip side, you've got players like Conor Gallagher, who have had a couple of loan moves and that's improved their game massively. And he should be playing for Chelsea more regularly at the moment. And you've also got, um, this is Harvey Elliott. He had a loan at Blackburn, came back the better player. Now he's playing for Liverpool regularly. So, But that's that's a championship yeah. and a Premier League loan. Yeah, Those are two yeah, very yeah, different, different things. League One, League Two, well, and to an extent conference and then lower... Well, Conor Gallagher was actually you know. at, Gallagher was actually at uh, initially on a loan. I can't remember if they were in the Championship or League One at the time. Yeah, but what was he about twelve? I guess oh, like seventeen, yeah. eighteen. But the, 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 your point does still stand in the sense that Chelsea were kind of an upper League One team or lower Championship team. Um, I remember my, my God, Charles Arthur Smith. He just absolutely raved about him. Said how big he's going to be. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I do take your point that these loans are the higher-end clubs and not the Carlisles. Or, uh, I'm looking through our, our under-21s and loan right now. So, you know, Sonny Hilton at Carlisle. Um, John Pierre Tier here at <laughs> Hamilton Academical. Um, Larkesha Barnsley, I think that could be an interesting one. He's been very highly rated. Yeah. He started at Barnsley well. Scored that free that kick against Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle under-21, yeah. sorry. I mean, that was good. That could be an example of a loan that does work out well. He comes back as a stronger player. Um, And with goalkeepers as well, the Ashby Hammond brothers, their goalkeepers are a slightly different 
yeah. uh, scenario. I think them going out on loan to lower league clubs is a good thing. You need to be, you know, builds up that strength and that physicality as a goalkeeper. Um, I saw Tate Ashby Hammond play a couple of weeks back. I've got a Stockport County mate. We went to Stevenage. He was this tall, lanky, like young kid in goal. But you could tell he had that quality. You know, he's that modern goalkeeper who could play out the back. And being in a lower league like that would just kind of give him that good experience to become a better keeper. Well, I think, I think the fact he's playing for Stevenage and his brother's playing for Aldershot, I mean, that's kind of two I, different levels, isn't it? So uh, There's one one division in, in it. I think, I can't remember who's the older one, but surely one, one of them will make it, surely. Yeah, yeah I like to think so. The odds, I mean, the odds are in their favour. I think the other one, uh, looking at Kieran Bowie, or Bowie, however you pronounce it, He's uh, he was yeah. highly rated. He's at Northampton Town. Don't know if he's getting many minutes. Uh, Sylvester Jasper, Bristol Rovers. Oh, well, he's the classic case. That's the that's going to be one of those like waiting for his yeah yeah his, his ship has sailed. I think Jasper's ship has sailed. And then there's um, Tyrese Francois, who's gone over to Croatia. He's playing at uh, Gorica or Goricha or how you pronounce it. And I mean, he's playing for them. I just checked it out earlier, and. But the Croatian Premier League, I'm not. What do you gain from playing there? I mean, that's. I don't even know the level of football in this. It's only a 10 team league. Uh, he's not playing Europa, uh, Europa League football or anything like that. It just seems like a really random one for me. It's a, yeah. How does a club like HNK Govico even just come in contact with us and. You know, get that loan sorted? It's, it's, it's a weird one. Agents. But... Agents are a funny thing. Funny, funny one for you. Uh, do you guys, does the name FC Hacker ring any bells? Yeah, Finland's, yeah. Finland's finest. Yeah. So I was, this is completely random. I was listening to a, um, an interview with Marlon Harewood. <laughs> when he was 18, he went on loan to FC Hacker. Nice. Uh, in Finland. And it's sort of, that's a similar sort of vein of thing. How, how the hell does FC Hacker learn about an 18-year-old Marlon Harewood playing at Nottingham Forest? But agents, agents do their job. I guess that's that. What's what's happened there is some guys play championship manager, and it would have been championship manager back then, and just gone through. And he's like, needs a player, and he's like, right, English league. Any of those players have got to be better than sort of your Finnish, you know, Finnish players. So it was, we'll get um, him. It was Akin Fenwa. It was Akin Fenwa. He went to. I've just looked it up now. He went to FK Atlantas in Lithuania. That's where he started <laughs> his career. Well, he's played for every club, hasn't he? So uh, I mean, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's. he's He's but, I mean, every clubs. I tell you what, I was going to say. I tell you what, player has won for us during the long window. That's Joe Bryan. Looking at his Instagram, he is just living life on the French Riviera now, playing for Nice, playing a bit of European Hanging football goals. on Thursday nights. He's just oh, he's right he's yeah, um, if there was any place that Joe Bryan was going to go, Nice was like the epitome of a Joe Bryan club. He's just going to, you know, it's just sort of like that lovely sort of setting. You will see like his um, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram when he was here. I think he probably lived in like Wandsworth or the Chelsea side or something like that. And he was always down by the river around there. Sipping and coffee. I think, reading exactly, yeah. Well, he's, now he's down in Nice reading a, reading his book down by the Mediterranean. I think there's no better place for him to spend a year. I would love him to come back, but I don't think he will. Uh, but then you look at, I mean, obviously the other loans like uh, Cavalera, Gazaniga, Knockhart, Congolo. I mean, God knows what I he's doing. I saw a tweet, actually. Um, Apparently, Congolo if... hasn't made a single match day squad for Le Havre yet. So he's obviously still injured. Le Havre? I thought he went to Stoke. No, it fell through. No, oh, he, he went didn't. to Le Havre, that didn't he? Through. Oh, yeah. He went on Did trial. he fail the fitness test by any chance? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, no, I forgot who. Uh, yeah, I um, assume he got there. But I mean, those players. I mean, when they go out alone, that's just because they're not 
in the squad. I just I'm really interested to see how some of these players develop over the years, uh, over the over the season. Sorry, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see a few of them come back. But you do feel that uh, a lot of the case is that they're not quite good enough, and they're not going to be good enough. But they're actually setting them up for the end of their contract by letting them play at a team at a level that they might get a team at. Yeah. Well, actually, seeing players, like you said, over the years, it's funny. You look at players that we used to have in our academy. Um, Jesse Joynan is one that sticks out for yeah, me. Yeah. He's, he's well. actually doing half-decent Serie A now. In, as, as, I can't remember what club he's at. But he was at Udinese, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, something like something that. Like that. He, he was at Udinese, I think, and then he may uh, Italy moves around. So, yeah. And then every now and then you just see a random player pop up on a random team sheet somewhere. It's like, oh, I remember that name. And yeah, he's just some random ex Academy. Oh, I think I saw. Who did I see? I saw. I think it was. Uh, it might have been Chris David or something like that. Yeah. He's at some Turkish third division team now or something. And it's but as you say, how do you know these agents like of lower level players must be just shopping around mm. all sorts of weird and wonderful clubs just to get them a deal yeah. for a bit. That's uh, it's quite funny because you see like the um, maybe not that uh, Rayola guy because he's well dead. Um, but they're sort of like those super agents. They only sort of go around sort of the top clubs and the clubs come to them and stuff. But you've got all these jobber agents. Uh, I would like to see a, I'd like to see a show they're about the proper agents. jobber agents. They're the real agents. Trying to, they are. They are the grafters. Yeah. If they weren't selling, you know, players to third division Turkish teams, they would be selling secondhand, thirdhand Kias in sort of in stains or something. And they'd be having, you know, it would be the same kind of, they get the same amount of money for it as well. But yeah, I think that's enough about loanies. We'll see them. We we may see them. We may not see them again, but good luck to them on their, on their adventures in weird and wonderful parts of the UK and Croatia and one French place. Right. Let's move on. We're back to the proper football now. And on Saturday, we look forward to the return of the Premier League action and we welcome the Geordie Saudis to the cottage as Eddie Howe brings his Newcastle team down for, a, I think it's for, for a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, isn't it? It's uh, very classic. The two sides go into the game in pretty different veins of form. Um, of course, we went into the international break in nosebleed territory in sixth place with 11 points from seven games. Whilst Newcastle haven't won a league game since they beat Forest in the opening day of the season. So, Stato, there's only one winner, isn't there? Well, this this is the start of a big, big month for us. When the fixtures first came out, you scanned through it and then you picked up in October and you know these six games, this is where we need to be getting the bulk of our points from. It's... Yeah, you know, before if if September never ha- if August and September never happened, where well, we we're, we're we're now in the dizzy heights of sixth. You know, I was I was expecting this is you know this is a month where we need to actually get what we need to get, otherwise we're fucked. But actually, we have that bit of uh, we have that little safety uh, net now of having those eleven points. But that's no excuses for what needs to be done this month. Um, you know, this is the first game that we need to be looking at winning. You look at all six of these games you feel like you can get something out of them. And I feel I just need to start with this game, especially we need to start and carry that momentum going and you know, just start, start big and continue through this month, I think. Well, obviously we've discussed the potential sort of uh, injury concerns for Fulham. Hopefully Niskins is fit. Hopefully Mitro is nothing more than just needing a bit of an ice pack, but Newcastle do have a few injuries uh, on their hands. 
uh, Alexander Ice, uh, Isak, I'm not sure you pronounce it. He's definitely out. Uh, Sam Maxima and uh, Callum Wilson, they are questionable. Thanks to the wonderful people at Flash Scores. Uh, I assume that's up to date. Doesn't leave much for a front line, does it? It's Chris Wood and Chris Wood. Or maybe Joe Linton as well. Chris Wood is uh, out. Oops, I think. Chris Wood is injured. Chris Wood's out? Yeah. Is pretty he? sure Chris Wood's injured. Callum. Excellent. Callum Wilson should be fit, but he's not the most reliable, is he? But he should be fit. So Maximan is a bit of a doubt. I think the, the general thought is that he won't make it, but that but Bruno Guimaraes should be back. Um, well, that's a shame. The, I'm looking the, on the fancy Premier League, and yeah, Isak's got a red exclamation mark. Which yeah, he's definitely out. Wilson and, and yellow. Wilson and Woodward yellows. Well, let's regardless of whether they uh, start or not. If they start, they're clearly not fully fit. So that that's a good thing. So. I don't I know what I mean. Uh, Shelby's we, 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 definitely we, we, out. So we, we can talk about the new the injuries to Newcastle. Sorry, um, but we're playing so well at the moment. I'm not really phased about who is fit and who isn't fit for them. Um, I'm confident that whatever team they put out, we'll put out our team, we'll play our game, and we'll still get we'll still get points regardless. You know, we're playing so well at the moment. Sure, we're going to miss Palinia, and that might be a huge miss. But like we mentioned earlier, Silver has to trust in his players, and I trust Silver to put out a team that you know can go to Newcastle and give them a game. New, Newcastle are draw specialists this season, aren't they? They're they're the team that that keeps picking up a point at a time. They're tough to beat, but they're not they're not beating anyone. I think they they were hoping that that Isak coming in was gonna was gonna turn them from a drawing team into a winning team, and him, so him being injured, I think, is a big deal. Um, particularly for their their hopes of sort of winning games in the immediate future, I think losing us losing Palinia and them having Bruno back does tip the scales slightly again. Uh, this one to me looks like it's got draw written on it, just because Newcastle they are difficult to beat. They're a tough team. They haven't won games. They don't score a lot of goals. Um, and I think we are also probably due a little bit of a wake-up call in terms of you look at these six games on paper, there's no reason we can't go into each one of them thinking we can get a win. And I absolutely think that the, the plan will be we approach every game wanting to win it. We, we won't win all six games. I, I just don't think that's realistic. But we will whoa, approach whoa, every whoa, game trying on. to win it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think this one might be one of the ones that we, we have to settle for a point rather than the three. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because, you know, for all the talk of all of Newcastle's attackers being out injured, their defence is still very much fit. They're still going to play Pope and go. It'll be Trippier, Shaw, Byrne, Botman or Target. They're all fit and ready and that's a that's a tough defence to get past. And sure, we might attack them and we have a Mitro who's in the form of his life, but that's still a very good defence who've performed very, very well so far this season. So... Yeah, it's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Kind of screams of a boring nil-nil last of match of the day, doesn't it? I think I, I let's just hope that Nick Pope carries on his form from the England game the other day because he was uh, it was shocking. It was like a thief goalkeeper that that third goal was just parried it into them. They've also got um, I've seen they've got Loris Carius as their backup goalkeeper now. Because they've got a bit of a key for injury crisis. Yeah, I did see that because Carlo uh, Darlow's out, isn't he? And they got um, they shipped out Dubravka 
to Man U about yeah. 30 seconds before we got um, Dala got injured. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, the ones, they, the games they've drawn. Man City, a three-all draw when they probably should have won. Uh, Liverpool, they lost 2-1, but that's because uh, Fabio scored in the 98th minute. But then, you know, draws it Palace, Wolves, Brighton, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly, Bournemouth. So they've drawn with the teams, well, teams they probably shouldn't have drawn with, and they've drawn with teams that they shouldn't have drawn with, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> they should have beaten the one, a uh, few of them and certainly lost to Man City. But I think what Eddie Howe drums into a team like that is attitude. And I don't think those scores are, you know, well, maybe the Man City one is, but those, you know, the draws aren't because uh, they're lacking in, uh, a, you know, a mental attitude. I think it's because, you know, whatever reasons, I think the teams that are coming up against know what they're coming up against Newcastle now. It's a very different beast from the Steve Bruce days. And yeah, they will be hard to play against. And I think we we need to be on the form that we showed against Liverpool, against uh, Brighton, all that, in all, well, yeah, maybe Arsenal to an extent some of the time, uh, to actually sort of break them down and really capitalise on the fact they don't have much of a fit forward line and score one or two goals and then hope that our defence is up to task this time around. Talking about our defence, I was seeing uh, something the other day about, you know, Tosin's place in the team. Is he an automatic starter at the moment? Sarge, what do you think? I mean, Reem certainly hasn't played himself out of the team like everyone expected him to. Diop's come in against uh, Forrest and he's done well. With one of our, hopefully with Robinson back or Kazawa maybe fit by now. Then we have a left back. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about Tosin? I, I think he he he's, he is still a starter for me. I, I don't see any reason to change it. I think Diop did very well against Forest. I think the Reem Tosin partnership is not at a point where we need to think about breaking it up yet. Um, the, the thing is, is with Tosin is in in a team that plays the way we play. He's going to find himself in sticky situations at times. He's asked to do a lot on the ball. Any defender that's asked to get on the ball as much as he is, is going gonna, is gonna to come under threat. Um, he's going to have some sticky moments. But actually, he's defended really well. It's really easy to notice every time there's a wobble and ignore the amount of times that he's actually cut things out because of the way he defends, he defends in such a way that you don't always notice that he's done something really well. He's so calm and so serene in the way that he does things. That when, he's, when it's working for him, you barely notice that he's defending at all. And so then when he has a wobble, that's obviously very noticeable because you start to worry that you might concede a goal. But I, th- I think he's, he's a much better def- defender than people give him credit for at the moment. I think the expectation on him is quite high. The expectation on Ream coming into the season was very low. And so while Ream has overperformed, I don't necessarily think Tozin has underperformed, but I think the optics suggest he has because Ream has been so good. I just think the expectation level on, on him is higher. Yes, there are things in his game that he does need to improve, but he's still a defender in, in his early, well, first half of his 20s. He's, what, 25 now? Um, you know, we know defenders don't peak at that age. He's, he's still got time to learn and actually he's still quite young in his career when you think about the amount of first team football he's played this is only his third season with you know us first of all and he only played really one season of first team football before that um on loan at Blackburn wasn't it so 
he is he is still in that sort of development stage, but he's a good defender. I don't see any reason for him to be taken out of the team yet. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm. We've conceded probably more goals than people would like, but I think that more due to the opposition we've played. If you look at the amount of goals that the teams we've played score, Arsenal, how many goals they score, Liverpool, how many goals they score, Spurs, how many goals they score. We were always going to concede a couple of goals against teams like this. The only one where I think we've conceded goals that we shouldn't have is probably the Forest game where we conceded the second goal they scored was sloppy and Tosin was involved in that. But having watched it a couple of times, I'm not sure how much more he can do. Um, I don't think we're in a position where we're leaking goals to an an alarming rate at this point based on who we've played. So I would leave the defence as is. I'd, I'd go for the back four that's played the majority of the games. Obviously, Robinson to come back in if he's fit. Diop drops back down to the bench and you play the centre-backs that we've been playing in Riem and Tosin and Tete hasn't lost his place on the right yet either. Uh, Stato, would you like to say completely the opposite or you agree with them? I I would not. I I, I agree with, with what Sarge said. It, you know, the defence is fine. It is working fine. There's no need to change it. The only reason to potentially change it is in the absence of Palinia. But I couldn't see Silver going to three at the back or five at the back for that reason. Um, could potentially see Diop move into a defensive mid position. Might be a bit out there. That could happen. But yeah, other than that, I would expect to see the same defence. Well, as you mentioned, Polina is suspended uh, as he uh, sets on course for beating the record of 14 yellow cards in a Premier League season. Uh, I think he's uh, he's doing pretty well at that at the moment. Um Stato, who do you think is going to come in for him? Uh, we've already talked about Shalabar. Do you think the trust in uh, in Natty Chabs is going to sort of come through or do you think uh, he's going to go for a Diop or, uh, I'm not going to say Onoma because he won't do that, but a another? Well, I reckon, I reckon he'll actually go for Kearney, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I reckon you'll see Reed drop back into that you know, defensive midfielder, sixth row. You'll see Kearney come in. You'll see Pereira drop a bit more deeper. I think that's how we'll set up. We've seen in games that Kearney is the go-to sub for midfield. That is partly because he's the type of sub you want to bring on later in the game to kind of retain the ball and hold on to the ball to see a game out. But at the same time, he's still a quality player. And I think this could be a good game for him to come in and start. That's my. I think that's that's who we'll go for. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, up on the wings, I think we'll see Bobby and Willian. Don't think Dan James will start just yet. I think he's quite useful to have as an impact sub off the bench. Those fresh legs that you can where you can run at players, especially especially if Newcastle play Dan Burn at left back over target, which you know they they might do. They might play Botman and Shaw in defence and Burn at left back, and if that happens. You'd want to get Dan James on in the second half and just run at him. But other than that, I think the team will be more or less what we've seen for the majority of the season so far. Dan James plays left wing, doesn't he? Though he just played. I think I thought he was right wing, but I see if, if, you know, he's a winger. I just see. I've got to say though, if he was playing on the same side as uh, Dan J uh, as Dan Byrne and he was a uh, left wing, that means Dan Byrne be right back, and we all know that Dan Byrne is a great oh, right back. <laughs> those Stoke City flashbacks. <laughs> um, it will be yeah, it will be interesting to see who goes with. Uh, it, it seems like a long time since we played a league game uh, and it would have been yeah two weeks and a day since we did. But um, 
yeah, so you've got Kenny, you got Reed, uh, you got Pereira. Obviously, he'll be nice and fresh. Wingers, we'll see who is fit. Goes. I mean, Sarge, have you got a preference on the wing? Uh, I would. I would have Bobby Reed. Um, so long as he's 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 in state to play, and I would I'd stick with William. I thought William was brilliant against Forest. Um, I'd go with him again. I don't I don't see any reason to change that again. Marco Silva doesn't he doesn't change winning teams where he can help it. Um, I think as long as there's a left back available, Ream goes into centre half, and I think the wingers will stay the same too. Um, just on the on Kearney partnering Harrison Reed in midfield. We did do that last season. It, it it was to good effect because we actually it, it increased the creativity of the team and it, it got us out of a bit of a spell where we were a bit stodgy in midfield and we started to score some goals. But equally in that period, we conceded a, quite a few goals as well. Um, that was in the spell where we were winning games. We, that week where we won 6-2 sort of twice in a week, that was around the time that, that the kearney Reed partnership came in. But across five games in that period that they played together, our aggregate score, we scored 23 in those five games, but we also conceded seven. And I don't think we can afford to concede goals at that sort of rate um, going through this six-game spell. So if Palina is not available, I, I don't think Kearney and Reed is the partnership because we won't score 23. Why not? <laughs> And we can't afford to we can't afford to concede seven across a five game stretch. Um, well, if that's the for, case, for the purpose of this game, Pellini is only out for this game, and it's Newcastle who have very limited attacking options. So for this game only, it, it could be a good option. But yeah, it is the Premier League. It's not the Championship. We're not going to win six two. If we do win, it'll be a one nil, a two one. It'll be the type of game where we can't afford to concede goals. So. Yeah, maybe it would be best to bring in a Natty Chabs, but... <laughs> I don't think our name's going to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> it will catch on. Big up the Natty Chabs. Depends how well he plays. <laughs> um, uh, uh, who would you start up front? <laughs> <laughs> Vinicius. We've got a fully rested cast. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, how shocking would that be uh, if it turns out that Mitro's injury is a little bit worse than it? We're seeing Vinicius starting. I mean, I've not, I've not seen Vinicius yeah. play. Um, I'm sure he'd be I'm fine. Sure he'd be. Marine um, FC. I'm actually, we're talking about, yeah, he's got the hat trick and the little over the top celebration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually seeing this is a, we're talking about this as a six game spell, but it's actually an eight game spell because you look into November, there's actually only two games and then it's a World Cup. But sure, those two games are the Manchester club, so. Yeah, I mean, one of them's all right. Well, yeah, one of them. Yeah, Although, to be fair, I mean, well, Mitro's already outscored Haaland in one game. Yeah, has, and there is no reason no does. reason to expect that it won't happen again. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we have these eight games now before the World Cup, which is a really weird thing to say. It still hasn't properly sunk in that we're going to be watching a World Cup in a couple of months. But, hey, Go, go Qatar. Yeah, it's like I say, nothing but, like um, a brown envelope to make you change your ways. Exactly. But no, we've we, we got big eight games ahead of us now. I think most people are, were in agreement that if we could get to like the 20-point mark before the World Cup, because that's kind of roughly the halfway point, people would be happy with that. We're, we're already on 11. So, you know, it's all about picking up points in this month and, you know, just trying to get as many as we can before the World Cup. How many points did we get last time in the Premier League? 29? If that uh, 28, yeah. 
twenty six was the eighteen was the seventeen eighteen season. I'm fairly sure. Not enough. So we're doing is better. The answer. <laughs> yeah, not less enough. Than, less than thirty. <laughs> less than thirty. Um, uh, I guess one of the other things that sort of uh, this game that we'll see and we were supposed to see at the Chelsea game uh, is that the top tier of the Riverside stand is going to be open partly, isn't it? Uh, I assume they're doing that for this game as well because um, obviously the Chelsea game is postponed. So yeah, that's going to be interesting, getting a few people up there. I don't want to do anything for the atmosphere, but it's slowly opening that gargantuan, you know, shiny spaceship of a state a stand and one thing i have noticed and i don't know if it's i guess it might be physics i don't know or shit at physics um but the fact that they've closed in the ends and they have people in the lower tier dampening the sound the atmosphere has been brilliant at the cottage and i know it's the fact that you know we've obviously been on a great run of form the fans are really enjoying it but the difference you can tell the differences because you can hear the away fans. And one thing that you never heard at the cottage really was the away fans because the sound would get lost through the gaps. And so I think on Saturday, given how, you know, vocal Newcastle fans are, I think this could be, I think it'd be a great game. I think it'll be a really good atmosphere. I think, uh, you know, they're two teams that like to play football and, you know, historically Fulham and Newcastle have had some great ding dong games for a better term. And uh, so hopefully, you know, we will, um, you know, it'll be, it'll sound good. It'll look good. And boys, what are your predictions? Sarge? I'm going to go for a 1-1. One, one. Uh, I do think this is going to be a draw. I think... Uh... That's a very dull prediction for the way I built that one up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, uh, I think you're absolutely right. So the atmosphere has been fantastic. And I think part of that is because we, as fans, we know that at this level, every goal means so much. I mean, we didn't, see any last season so like, what last time we were in the Premier League um, we saw a lot last season not last season we that saw loads of goals last season <laughs> uh, the, season, the last time we in the Premier League we didn't see many goals um, but every goal does mean so much in this league because of the way that we play now that you know there's a faith in this team that we can see things out and so if we go 1-0 up the, you know there is a faith that this team can see it through um, and that we can go on to win games and every goal that we score will be celebrated as a, a goal that has a significant impact on the result because no one's no one's just swatting us aside anymore if we score a goal we're generally in the game and therefore it's having an impact on the result so the atmosphere has been brilliant but I think the players and the manager have to take a lot of credit for for giving us the reason to create that atmosphere as well um, but no I think I think it's going to be a 1-1 I think Newcastle are a tough team to be um, I, I don't see us sort of you know running away with any any games really I think they're, they're going to have a lot of possession they like to keep hold of the ball I think it will mirror the Brighton game to some extent um, and I think we probably will find that we go in front, but I just uh, they they do look quite resilient, and I think they may be able to peg us back. Stato, can you do better? I'll try. I'll try to. Um, I think you know. Also, you know, the good atmosphere is contributed to the fact that we're actually playing well in the Premier League again, and we haven't seen that for the best part of twelve years now, or ten, or ten, eleven years. It's like an old memory being unlocked. Like, oh, this this is what it feels like to be a Decent. team competing in the Premier League again. Like, oh, the last time this happened, I was a sixteen-year-old boy, and and it's yeah, it was just a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, it's it's nice to see that again. And 
you know, it's it's good to have that positive atmosphere at the cottage and, you know, positivity breeds more positivity and, you know, that's why the atmosphere is so good. I will be more positive in that regard, though, and say that we'll try and get the win. I do kind of agree with Sarge that it'll probably be a draw, but we won't talk about that. I'm going to predict it'll be a, a nice 2-1 win for us. Um, we will concede a goal because clean sheets aren't our thing at the moment. We just do good vibes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know how old our f- sort of average listener is right we don't <laughs> we do. <laughs> so it's, we're not in that good vibes age category it, mate <laughs> it's my sunday league motto as a, as a sunday league goalkeeper i just say to my defense i don't do clean sheets i just do good vibes and <laughs> and then you got we, dropped <laughs> we get through we get through <laughs> i've actually done ligament damage to my thumb at the moment so i might be out oh yeah i've had sunday. that injury before as well mate uh, Single life's yeah, hard, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I'm going back. To, I have flashbacks of my 16 year old self. We're doing well in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think I think it'll be a two run win. Um, Mitro to score, obviously, probably to score both. Um, we'll concede a goal, but like I said, we can see out those games, and it'll be a nice, you know, way to see out the game, and it'll be a nice another win that will lift us up to. I want to say fourth, depending on when other times that other teams play. I might be wrong in that regard, but oh, we'll go with fourth. Fourth sounds good. We'll, we'll go. We'll, yeah, yeah. Get us into the Champions League. Um, I am. Uh, I'm going to go with another three-two win. I like these three-two wins. Ooh. I think you know, those those are the kind of games you want to see. And I know Newcastle are quite hard to break down, and but. I do think that we've got goals in us in the way we play. So I think we will get three. They'll get two. And uh, the cottage will be rocking. Uh, Right. I think that's enough for tonight. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Fulham underscore Focus. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and all those social media wonderful things. And right. Thank you for listening. Look forward to seeing you at the game on Saturday and come on your whites.